You know, I, this is the church that I, and by the way, it's good to see you guys. This is the church where I cut my teeth in ministry. This church for me, going to this church and band stay right there because we're going to sing. I know y'all didn't come to hear me preach, so I'm going to sing a little bit too. <laughs> but can I tell you, I believe that there's, there's, there's breakthrough in this house. Listen, God is always, always, always ready to do something supernatural. But he's always wanting to partner with you. But this is the church where I had just moved back from Minnesota. I lived in Minneapolis for like six months. I just ran away from life. And when I came here, I was just so ready for what God had for me. I was desperate to hear God speak, desperate to hear him move in my life. I see him move in my life. And I started coming to this church, and it was this church when I started learning. One of the most important things was faith. You know, in our ignorance, the enemy loves to keep us in ignorance because if he knows that we don't know the truth, he can trap us in a cage and put us in bondage. And literally, did you know, Jesus gave us the keys. He says, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me tell you this. I was wound up when I came to this church in a bunch of knots, right? And as the word came forth, it began to untie knot by knot. And this is what God wants to do with you. He wants the truth to get in you. The Lord spoke to me something. He spoke something to me that really was a big thing for me. I said, God, so now I wish I could say that after I left this church and went on idol, everything was perfect. It's not. Can I tell you, you're going to live a life full of setbacks. But it's how you process the setback. Think about it. There's two types of people. There's this person who's full of the word of God, who's begin not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, right? And he processes the, the situation outside of him through the filter of God's word. And when the storm comes, he's not shaken. His house is still standing. Then you have another person who thought God's word was a great idea. It felt good at church. Screamed, shouted, oh, that was awesome. But then because the word didn't transform him, because it didn't transform him when the storm came, not only did the house fall over, but the Bible says the destruction was great. The difference is how did you process the word of God? You know, one person, they said it like this, in America, there have been men who have lost their fortunes, who have been millionaires and lost it and became a millionaire again. Because they process things differently in their mind. They literally look at life differently. They didn't sit there and focus on what just happened that got them into that mess. And, oh, man, this is unfair. The person who stole from them, this is not right. This shouldn't have happened to me. If you're a good God, then why? I'm leaving you. I'm going away. No, that person looked at that situation and said, well, if I did it one time with you, God, I can do it again. And as a matter of fact, in my ability, what has taken this person 30 years of his life to, to amass and build a life, you can do it in three years. This is the exponential equation of Christ in me, Christ working through me. So conveniently, I named this message, the victory is yours. Why not? And then I kind of used an old dating phrase that came to me when I was preparing. <laughs> it's not you, it's him. A lot of us, when you're trying to break up with a girl, you're like, it's not you, it's me. Because that's like the easy way to like try to blame shift and be like, uh-uh, like, it's not you, it's me. But in this position, all the blame goes to God in a good way. It's not you, it's him. 
You know, being raised in church, my grand, can we, I should just pray first. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you that you're giving me utterance. I thank you that faith is in the heart of the people, God. And I thank you for the transformation of your word that it has done in my life through this ministry. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. The word is not through, like Paul said, it doesn't come in just these eloquent speeches, but it comes in power, transforming power. Let transforming power enter this place so that we never leave the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord spoke to me something some time ago, and it was this. I'm jumping around, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm an inexperienced preacher, so you just have to deal with it. All right? And let me give you the story of that. Let me just give you the quick story of that. Three years ago, I was filming. There's this TV show that I'm working on that I'm filming. I'm producing. It's been a long journey, but I feel like I just got a home for it. And we're in negotiations with the network right now. But while I was filming that TV show, and it's, it's I'm not going to get into that. It's just something that God gave me a vision for. This director who's filming, who I hired, he works on a lot of HGTV shows. He looks at me and he goes, you're a pastor. Now, I've heard people come to my shows and say that all the time. I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> and, but so, there was weight on what he said this time. Where there was a weight in this, and it was in my spirit. It wasn't him. It was God. He put a weight on it. And I literally in that moment, I said, okay, Lord, if you're calling me to preach your word and pastor, I said, you're going to have to tell me. You're going to have to show me. That was a Friday when we were filming. Monday rolls around. I get a text from Pastor Pruitt. And I love this. This, is, this man has been in my life a prayer word for me and my wife and has been just, him and his wife have been just such stability in my life for years. And I appreciate them for it. <laughs> Pastor Pruitt texts me and he goes, hey bud, call me when you get a chance. <laughs> he goes, man, I wasn't going to share this with you, but I was praying this morning for you and Layasette. Amen. And he said, I'm telling you, when I was praying for you, I saw something, buddy, I've never seen it for you in my life. And he goes, it took me back. And he's like, but I, and he goes, I saw you and Lisa at pastoring. And I just asked the Lord on Friday, that was a Monday. And I just, it's interesting when you open yourself up to the Lord, what he's willing, what he's going to say. But when you don't open yourself up to the Lord, what he's not going to say. You know? And so that was three years ago. It was this, last year was the first time I started getting booked at conferences. I just preached at a large church in Arizona two weeks ago, and I was nervous to ask Pastor Prove it because I was like, oh, man, I know he sees me as, you know, he's put a lot of prayer into me. I was like, man, but who am I to ask him, hey, if you need help, I want to preach for you, and I want to be able to be the guy who can step in because I'm a son, you know? And his response was better than I thought it would be. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, I, I struggled with that text. You don't know how much I labored over that text. <laughs> What's he going to think about me? Who am I to say, should I come in and preach for you? The man who taught me so much of what I know about the gospel, right? Well, anyways, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Bottom line. The Lord spoke something to me some time ago, and it was truth does not transform unless it's truth received. Now, this was when I asked the Lord, why do I go around the same mountains? Why do I go... You know, I'll be doing good, and then a memory, a thought of something will just cut my legs off. And I'm back in a, a place of, like, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, dealing with thoughts. And when I heard the Lord speak that, I looked at it, I said, what does that mean? I, well, I, I, I started falling asleep, and that's when I heard those words was when I was in that place of 
like falling into sleep. And I wrote it down because I was worshiping and praying. And when I heard that, I go, Layset, I think the Lord just spoke to me. So I wrote it down and I said, truth does not transform until it's truth received. Truth does not transform until it's truth received. What does that mean? And then I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I've been in church my whole life around the truth, truth being poured into me, and some of it is not transforming yet? Because you know what the initial response was? Well, this is not happening right because that just happened. And there was this exterior circumstance that would throw me off my game. And well, if that didn't happen, and then all of a sudden I'm pointing upwards like, hey, God, if you would just protect me and you would just cover me, then, then, this, then I wouldn't be feeling this way. Little did I know, that is such a weak point of relationship with anybody. If everything has to be perfect, all your prayers are answered. For you to walk in communion with something, then you have a very shallow relationship and you're using that person. It's true. So as I meditated in bed, then I heard this. I didn't hear this. I started thinking about this. I said, what's the opposite of truth doesn't transform until it's truth received? Oh, lies don't transform until they're lies received. Some of you have received lies that have transformed you into a depressed person. You're not. You're not a depressed person because you're already placed in Christ. Can I tell you this? This is going to shock some of you. This is gonna, you are as holy as you're ever going to be. Listen to me. The Bible says, let me find that scripture because I'm jumping ahead of myself. But it says in, in, in Corinthians 6, it says, you are in one spirit with Christ. You have to forgive me. I, I, got, I wasn't planning on hitting this point. But he, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Your spirit looks just like Jesus Christ. So for you to think, when you came to Jesus Christ, what did you do? When you bowed your head and you prayed, you received him. Why do we think that when we had to receive salvation by faith and say, Lord, I accept what you did for me on the cross, why do we think we now have to go and work it out in our own works from this point forward? Do you understand the kingdom of God works this way in every aspect? Healing. How do you get healing? It's not by crying, not by fasting, not by praying your brains out. Does that, does that get you in a right place to receive? Yes. But what ultimately is it, since you're already in Christ, all you do is say, God, I thank you that I'm already healed. So we need to come back. Here's one of my first points. And if you want to write this down, we need to come back to the place of surrender where we first met Christ. You know, Paul, in Paul, in, in, every, so, and I want to say this right here, every victory, past, present, and future is already yours because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Now some of you look at it and say, but why am I not walking in victory? Because you have to appropriate what's been done on your behalf. Let me ask you this. How do robbers and bad guys work? They work in the, in the darkness of the night. They're opportunists. They find an opportunity. Do we have laws that already say you're do we have laws? They already declare. What do they say? Like, you shouldn't do this. You cannot kill. Don't do this or you go to jail. Do people obey those laws? I'm going to tell you this. Demons do not obey these laws. So what is your job when the enemy comes against you? You appropriate your position in Christ. And, and Paul gives us a secret into this. He says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always... What does always mean? Always. I looked up the Hebrew of always. Guess what it means? Always. 
It's, it's simple. Who always leads us in victory through Christ. God uses us to spread his knowledge everywhere like a sweet-smelling perfume. I'm just seeing this right now as I'm reading this. If the enemy can get you to believe that you don't have the victory and that you're waiting on God, you can't spread the sweet knowledge of the perfume of Christ around this world. Do you, re- do you understand why he fights you so hard? Because if you saw who you already were in Christ, there'd be people coming left and right saying, I want what you got. So if the enemy can shut us down with his lies in this position and lie to you and say, you're waiting on God for your husband, you're waiting on God for your job, you're waiting on God for this. Now, is there, no, let me, now, is there a time where you're praying into it, but you should be thanking God every day. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my job. Faith will open up the door for God to move. If Paul didn't praise in that prison, I don't believe that ground would have shook. I don't believe those. When you, and when you look at that in the scriptures, when you look at that in the scriptures, not only were his chains broken, but when the power of Christ is working in you and you're worshiping and you're living your daily life, hell is coming against you. All of a sudden, the Bible said in Acts that the prison doors of every prisoner was broken open. That the shackles of every prison was open. It is so important for you to recognize who you are in Christ because a lot of you are in a cage by the devil, believing the lie, and you're powerless over an enemy that's already been defeated. There's, there's so much secret here in this. So, so many are frustrated with their lives. Here's another point. Many are frustrated with their lives because they see what the Bible says they should be and the victory they should have, but they're not seeing it. And I will tell you, it takes some spiritual growth to get where Paul got. It's so fascinating that he's getting shipwrecked. And what's his first response? He's seeking the Lord. Hey, they're gonna get, the Lord tells him, you're gonna get shipwrecked. Hey, he tells the officer, you're gonna get shipwrecked. Yeah, whatever, get back on the boat, you're a slave. I, this is the paraphrase version. Paul's on the ship. The guys are losing their mind. Paul was on a mission to go preach the gospel. I believe it was in a different country. I can't remember what country it was. He's on a mission to go preach this gospel message, right? In this place, the ship is falling apart, and then there's Paul, Christ in him, hope of glory, got nothing to worry about. I'm already a victory. Paul knows he's going to be saved, so he asks the Lord. He's like, what should I tell him? The Lord says, they're all going to be saved. None shall die. And Paul's like, you should have listened to me when I told you. You shouldn't go sail out. Really? God, the hope of glory gives you insight on what's to come. You can get, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will, give, will lead you into all truth. He already knows what's happening. And the Holy Spirit is, guess what? He is in you. So if you're frustrated with your walk today, can I say that maybe part of your walk is because you haven't appropriated who you are in Christ. You don't know who you are. When I said the statement that you're already as holy, the day you gave your life to Jesus, you're already as holy as you ever would be. Some of you were like, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because religion would say, now go change the way you think, or change the way you look. Try not to fall into this addiction. Try not to. If it took Christ to save you, it's going to take Christ to keep delivering you over and over. This is the whole point of why he died to live in us. This whole set of the Old Testament that some of you live by still, that you think is for you today, it's a picture, it's a shadow, the Bible says, a shadow of what's to come. If you saw my shadow and you wanted to hug me, you wouldn't hug my shadow, would you? 
That's what the Old Testament was. It was a shadow and a picture of the Christ and the holiness that was to come that was going to be paid for on your behalf. If you, some of you are reading the Old Testament in such a way that you think you've got to do all these things. When the Bible, when Paul says that we look into a glass dimly and we are transformed by beholding Jesus Christ, by beholding, you're not transformed by trying to do, but by beholding. Amen. I couldn't have a relationship with Pastor Pruitt if I was just hearing about Pastor Pruitt. But when I have a relationship one-on-one with him, getting to know him, we are transformed into friends. Amen. I feel like some of you are like, is this guy a false prophet? Because the whole Bible, yes, they're pictures. They're pictures. And this is why Paul, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me ask you this. I'll stop right there. He says, if you're not seeing victory in your life, this is what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Get over your works right now. Trying to do. You can't do nothing. But with Christ in you. Have, have you ever seen an apple tree, like white-knuckling apples out of its branch? Like, I'm going to create ugh, apples. It doesn't work that way. Because you're planted in Christ, fruit naturally is being born. God gave me this. This, was, this is the thing that transformed everything in me. Because I'd been in church for so long. I woke up one morning and I heard this in my spirit. And it's the verse, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I na- the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know when I read that, I had such a works mentality. I read that and I said, oh, I'm having some issues because I'm not crucifying myself enough. I went and looked at the Hebrew. Literally, my mind went right to me doing and not just being who Christ is in me, right? I looked it up, and it actually meant this, and I couldn't believe this. Paul said this, I was crucified once with Christ. When Christ died, I died. And now every day, it's not me living. I live a life of surrender. When I feel things that are contrary to the word of God, I surrender that. And I let Christ live through me. So the very thing that brought you to Jesus, surrender, is the very thing that's going to create so much fruit in your life to live just like Jesus. As he is, so are we. You already are as he is. It's surrender. Things aren't going right. Lord, I don't like this, but I surrender. And what do we surrender to? If the Bible calls Jesus the word, that means I surrender to what the word says about me. My God. So you have two choices. I can worry about my finances or I'm going to surrender to what his word says, which is a step of faith. Because I don't see it. Where's my money? Where's it coming from? And God's very gracious, right? He's very gracious. He'll do miracles. He's done tons of miracles in my life. But when we surrender, I surrender to my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glories. That this sickness in my body, it looks like it's going to be the end of me. By his stripes, I am healed. You took every sickness and disease on the cross. I appropriate that 
by not giving the enemy an inch of worry, an inch of unbelief. You understand when you start worrying, that is unbelief. And I know it looks innocent. Well, shouldn't I be worried about what I'm going to do right now? No, you shouldn't. Because you understand the enemy wants an inch. And pretty soon, six years later, you kept worrying. Now you're in deep depression. Now you're in bondage because you didn't. You gave him an inch. I feel like I have a mean face and I need to smile more. <laughs> this is the point. Maybe write this one down. It's long. I think it's a good point. I wrote it. <laughs> we receive salvation through faith. Why is it that we think we have to strive for everything else? Healing, breakthrough, joy, miracles. You know what? Paul had some harsh words with people who received Christ and then went back to the law. He said, this is what he said in Galatians 3, 2 through 5. He said, this, I only want to learn from you. He's like, I need to learn. Like, like help me understand this because I don't get it. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing or by the hearing of faith? I mean, this talks about, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it was indeed, if indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, he, did he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The New Testament walk is getting the word in you. Seeing how Jesus, in the scriptures, how he reacted to people's situation. Not going by your feelings, but going by your faith, by the faith. This is why, why is faith? So faith is a key to your victory. That's the next point. Faith is a key to this victory. So why is your faith so important in your walk with Christ? Because when you look at people who got their miracle, when you look at people who were overcomers, no matter what was coming out around them, these were people who reached out in faith. They believed that God was who he said he was. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for those. I forgot the verse. What's that verse, Pastor? For those who come to God must believe that he is and a rewarder. He is what? He is who he says he is. Thank you. And a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The woman with the issue of blood. Check this out. The woman with the issue of blood. If she thought Jesus was trying to ruin her life. If she thought, oh, if I come to Jesus to get healed, now he's going to want me to give up my lifestyle. And I kind of enjoyed sleeping around, gambling, smoking, drinking. You know what I mean? Ah, he seems like a mean guy. She would have never walked up to Jesus and never got her healing. Do you understand why it's so important to have faith? Why did Jesus say, your faith has made you whole? Your belief system in what God's word says absolutely determines the amount of victory you have in your life. Amen. This is exciting. For so many years, I, I would strive to do when the striving was in the surrendering to who Christ already is in me. Check this verse out. John, 1 John 5, 4, verses five, 4 through 5. You see, every child of God overcomes the world. That's a statement. For our faith is the victorious power. What is our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. Literally to overcome the world, your first step is to believe that Jesus is the son of God. And now that you believe that, it's saying now I surrender to what you say about me and not what I feel, not what I see. Do you understand how many people 
have changed their belief systems because they believe God was a healer, heard the scriptures, and then they saw someone who they were praying for. This was a challenge in my life. I saw my first wife who I was praying for, her family was praying for, diligently, diligently, praying even after she passed away. We, a, 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 a few people, we'd go in the basement and say, God, you can raise her from the dead. Do you know how many people in that moment, and maybe moments, not that moment, but their moment when they believed God for a miracle, saw that God didn't come through with the miracle, and they changed how they believed about God. And they said, well, maybe he's not healed. Maybe sometimes he heals. That is a destructive faith. That kind of faith, the enemy wants you to believe. We cannot express, we don't know everything. And trust me, when you don't know everything, humble yourself, just believe this. I was listening to a preacher, and he said this. He said, he said they were praying for someone who was sick. It's Andrew Womack. I listen to him often. He said he's praying for someone who was sick. They died, and his whole family changed their belief on the system. He said, why would you change that? He said, we don't know the whole picture. And he said, we don't know what was going on here or there or what was going on. And he said, he, his family looked at him like, they, like he lost his mind. And he goes, I just believe what the word of God says, not my experience. So then he was in a prayer meeting. This, guy's, this guy, Andrew Womack, raised his son from the dead when his son was dead for five hours. Had a toe tag on in the, mor in, the, in, in the morgue. He went in there and he said, do you not believe that I had to go believe that the enemy was coming at me? But he said, I rejoiced in my faith. I believe that he said he went and raised him after five hours of being dead, raised his son from the dead. Well, this man was in a healing line one time, and he said in this healing line, he said there was this man who was deaf, born deaf, and he prayed. He said he prayed 15 minutes over this man, and his hearing didn't come back. And he's like, well, I just got to move on. And then he finds out the next people he's praying for are his sisters, twin sisters who are born blind. He's like, oh, man, if I can't heal these either, this whole meeting's over. And he said, he said, no, he, his faith, he said, no, the word of God says he encouraged himself. He prayed over those two sisters. They received their sight. Imagine what he would have done had he been like, well, maybe it's God's will that, you know, I guess God didn't want it. Never assume. Just believe the word. Honestly, and move on. Always stay on God's side. Always, in every circumstance, take his side. Let me ask you, is there ever a time it's okay to look at God sideways? Never. Because that sideways hinders your faith. And if you don't have faith for what he's already given you, you cannot appropriate that into your life. Isn't this, it's, praise God for Jesus. The question is, faith in what? Okay, we were supposed to have faith. What's the faith position we're supposed to take? Let me read some scriptures over you of what God already says you are if you're a believer in Christ. Yeah. Already. Check this out. And this is when you first got saved. It's in um, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he, who did it? He united us into the very life of Christ. Who did this? He did. And saved us with his wonderful grace. What did he do next? He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated with Christ. 
Did you know you're seated in the heavenly places already? You're already seated with Christ? Why do you think the devil fights so hard up here? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Why do you think the Bible says renew your mind? Because your mind is used to just going with what your flesh says. Your mind, will and emotions, that's your soul, soulish realm. Well, I feel this way. Well, mind, that's not the truth of who you are. I feel lust. I feel the addiction. I feel like stepping out on my wife. I feel like just taking the easy way to get my husband. I feel like stealing all my income. To, I feel like, okay, mind. Well, you're not the renewed part. Here's what I am. I'm already co-seated with Christ. Even though I feel this, I surrender to the, the spirit of God in me. I don't have to cut corners. I don't have to try to try to, you know, do it in my own strength and strive. I'm already co-seated. Did you see that right here? He raised us up and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority. You have perfect, you're perfected in Christ and you have authority to appropriate what's already done in heaven now onto earth in your life. He said throughout, check this out, for we are now co-seated with Christ throughout the coming ages. We will be like, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of grace and kindness. In eternity, we're going to be on display. Woo! We're going to be like trophies in heaven. The angels are going to be like, <sighs> like, <laughs> what's that one meme? That lady's like this and she's like, <laughs> angels going to be like. Why? Because we rebelled against God. They rebel, boom, over. We rebel. Man, this God chases after us. This God placed on us his righteousness. This God placed his very spirit on the inside of us. Woo. He goes like this. will be a visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered. Get that picture in your showered. You're under a shower of the blessings of Jesus upon us in Jesus Christ. See, God's always pouring blessings on Jesus. He loves Jesus. That's his son. He, the, the blessings, all of heaven, all earth. The Bible says in Colossians, everything was made and created through Christ Jesus. This is the God who says, this is my son who I am well pleased. That's being showered on Jesus. And because we're placed in Christ, it says it's being showered upon us in Christ. Right now, I want to tell you something. You are the son and daughter as you are right now. I don't care what you did last night. If you've accepted Christ and you believe in his finished work, he's already well pleased in who you are. Let me tell you this. You are his son. You are his daughter. He is well pleased in you. All right. You didn't give me a time, but I need to know. Are we all good? I'll try to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> this is my first closing, right? <laughs> I think we go through about five or six. Is that... <laughs> Trust me, I, I saw it. I learned. I learned from you. This is how you keep people in their seats with not getting up. Like, oh man, I got the roast in the oven. Here comes my closing. <laughs> you trick them in their seats. For, for by grace, you have been saved by faith. By grace through faith. And I love this right here. For it was a love gift from God that brought us to Christ. It's been a gift. This was gifted to you. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward of good works or human striving. Salvation, your deliverance, your healing, your breakthrough. My family that I have now after God is restored, 
four children. It's a gift from God. It wasn't by anything that I did. It's not a reward for good works or human strength. We become a poetry, his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has already given each of us. You already have the destiny written in heaven. See, this is why the enemy loves to keep us in ignorance. This is so powerful. Politicians and news media are doing this left and right. They prey upon your ignorance because the spirit of it, the air is at full work. They love because the truth and error are so close. You just put a little bit of truth into it and you got people deceived, manipulated. But when you know who you are in Christ, when you know what the Bible says, I'm a joint heir in Christ. So what is it I'm trying to say here? So who are we? This is what I love about Paul. He said, this is the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and generation. This was the mystery, what the prophet spoke about. The shadow that we're talking about, the Old Testament being a shadow of what is to come. He said, this is the mystery that was hidden in the shadow, right? We're not trying to hug shadows. We're trying to have the real thing, right? That's the idea. He said, but now has been revealed to his saints. This is already revealed to you. It's not a secret any longer. To them God willed to make them known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So how, do we how does this make it practical? Christ in you, the hope of loving my wife the way that she deserves to be loved, because I can't do it. I'm going to try, I'm going to strive, I'm going to mess up. But Christ in me, I can do it. Christ in me, the hope of fulfilling every part of my destiny that he has for me. What does this mean in this crazy political world? Christ in me, the hope of forgiving the unforgivable because they're really annoying me, right? Christ in me, people, virtue signaling, Christ in me, I love you still, right? It's the hope of glory in us. And in spite of what they say, Christ in us, Republican or Democrat, we're brothers and sisters. The hope we can love each other. We don't got to believe that, that garbage out there that we got to be separated. Christ in me, check this out, the hope of him renewing my youth. Christ in me, the hope of living a healthy lifestyle. This is not a works thing. You know, the Bible says that Caleb and Moses, when you, talk, when you look at this, Caleb, when he took the, the promised land, the Bible says that he said, I'm just as strong as I was 40 years ago. The Bible says Moses' eyes were not dim. Do you know what their secret was? They were beholding, even in the Old Testament, they were being transformed. Moses at 120 years old did not, he was not limping. He didn't have an arched back. Christ in me. This is our inheritance. Some of you, it's hard to believe. Because what we do, we process what we see in the world. All right, I got to look ugly and old. That's like what everyone does. I'm going to be good looking. Good looking and old. And even if I'm not, I'm going to declare it every day in the mirror. I'm good looking. I'm young. I'm still be, gonna be hooping and be terrible at it, but still be hooping in like my, my 90s. This is our inheritance. In, is Jesus crippled? Is Jesus, I know, this is like a really fine line here, right? Hey, it's according to your faith. I believe that I can, he can renew me. And so can hair dye. <laughs> and so can diet pills, amen? I love this right here. There's a secret I want to give you guys. This is powerful. Finally, I'm giving you a lot of scripture today. You can buy the CD in the back, right? No. <laughs> Make it out to Danny Goki. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. 
How do we appropriate all this that we hear? Look what the Philemon says. That's a verse stuck in here. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ. How do you, you just acknowledge that it's already in you? The sharing of your faith, that your faith may become effective. How do we, how do we make our faith effective? By acknowledging. So here's how we, we appropriate this. We acknowledge who he already is in us. It boosts our faith in him and we receive of every good thing that is in us. So when you don't feel like obeying God, Lord, I just acknowledge you that I have the spirit of obedience in me, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding. It's the, I believe the seven spirits of God or the nine spirits of God in, 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 in Hebrews. You just acknowledge, I am an overcomer. I don't feel like it. And am I going to have to resist the flesh? And how do you do that? By just surrendering to God. How do you resist the enemy? You surrender to the other power. It's not like, oh, I'm going to push you back. He'll win every time. He'll win every time. Your surrendering to God gives him no place in your life. So what is, our, what is our point again? The way you came to Christ, that same faith and appropriation of who you are in Christ is how you live out a victorious life. Amen? Let me read that again one more time. That the sharing of your faith may be effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is already in you, in Jesus Christ. You are an overcomer. You are a, you are a person of joy. Why? Joy lives in you. This is why Paul says we don't have to sorrow like they sorrow because we have joy, peace that passes understanding. So when, when all hell is breaking loose, picture it like this. There's two, two roads. Understanding is on this road. Peace is on this road. They're in a race, but guess what? Peace passes understanding, meaning you don't need to know what's happening. The peace is like, Wrong. understanding is so far back. You're like, I don't even need to know why, why I went through that. I just, you know, be... So occupied with Christ. Amen. I love this right here. Paul said that. He said, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He says this, which is in, which is in him we preach, warning every man, teaching man, teaching everyone all wisdom so that we may present a man perfect in Christ. He said, I'm warning people. He's warning you because the enemy is going to come in and say, hey, you need to appropriate this Old Testament book. And your blessings are contingent upon this, this Old Testament book. No, in Christ, I'm already blessed. I'm already healed. I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ, I have all that I need. Christ is enough for me. And he says this, to this end, I also labor. Now, there's a labor. What is that labor? Look at what it looks like. This is Colossians 1, 26 through 29. Striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. That man was a surrendered man, and the power of God was ex just overflowing. Does this make sense? Am I making sense? I apologize, I'm going long. I'm wrapping up. Now my second closing, all right? This, you might already know this. This was transforming for me. It was transforming because I was so held to a lifestyle of doing. It wore me out. And not just being seated. Already being made righteous. Already. The entire work of, that's why it's called the finished work of Christ. Your inheritance is to have a paid off house. I believe that. 
And you, if it's by your faith, now I'm not saying miracles are going to happen, but as you work by faith and paying off that mortgage little by little, little by little, and, and surrendering, not trying to get to look the part outside, right? Because we want to look the part. I got the nice car, but that nice car's got a nice huge payment. It's surrendering. What's your faith for? To start the business. It's already yours in Christ. Let me tell you what you are the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ and who you are already, even though you were out sinning last night. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know if you were or not, but if you feel guilty, well, <laughs> then stop doing it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm playing. But isn't it interesting? We feel like we got to change ourselves. Ah, oh, man, I don't want to come to church today. I'm guilty for what I did last night or what happened. It's already taken care of. Sin is not an issue to God anymore. He dealt with it at the cross. You're a new creation already. You're already a new creation. You're already reconciled to God. When you sin, you didn't unreconcile yourself. You're already reconciled. How do I, he says right here, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled in the past, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Through us being reconciled to Christ, we can reconcile the world to Christ. You're a child of God. For in Christ Jesus, remember we're in Christ. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith. Your faith is what appropriates it. You're no longer a slave of sin. You're forgiven of all your sins. All your sins. I'm going to say this past, present, and future. Some of you just, this is not a license of sin. When I say past, present, and future, it doesn't make, you don't understand who Christ is in you, and you're living in a lie of the enemy. If you think, all right, this is my go license to go sin now. When you behold God and who he is and who you already, when the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good, that world has a really bad taste to it, which is why I love this story of Pastor Robin and Pastor's mom praying over Pastor Pruitt that his beer would taste like socks. Hilarious, right? I think that's because it was the work of the spirit, wasn't it? It wasn't the work of you striving. Um, I'm washed, sanctified, and justified. You're the very righteousness of God. You're at peace with God. You're being transformed to the likeness of God. Now, this is the key verse right here. It says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed in that same image from glory to glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So how do we transform ourselves now in the New Testament? We get in the word and we behold the word. You can have an encounter with this word. I've had encounters. One day, let me tell you this. One day when I, I led worship here some years ago and I, I was, there was darkness that was trying to get on me. And I remember that day, I was like, God, you got to break through, you got to break through and nothing was happening. I remember at the end of service, I just got so overwhelmed and I felt this darkness take me. We had a leadership meeting that evening and we had these little leadership binders. And I remember just like, I was at the, I was not ready for the leadership meeting. I wanted to go home and like cry my eyes out and just wall in this depression, right? But as I cried out to God in this moment, I heard the Lord say something. I believe in you. It shocked me because like people don't like to hear that God believes in you. No, we don't. You're a sinner. You're terrible. You're horrible. If he didn't believe in you, he wouldn't have gave his son his prize. You don't give people valuable stuff if you don't believe that they would actually accept what he would give you, right? I heard the Lord say, I believe in you. I sat, 
sorry, man, I didn't pay attention to any of the leadership meeting. I just, that was, I believe in you. I can't believe God said he believes in me. I went out to dinner with a friend that night and I was like, I believe I heard the Lord say he believes in me, but I can't back that up with any scripture, right? I go home the next morning. I opened up my scripture. I lived in a little apartment in West Dallas. I opened up my scriptures and I started reading Ephesians. And this is what God was revealing to me because of his kindness, his love. We're seated in heavenly places. I'm bawling my eyes out because God is showing me who I am. And, and I'm thinking I'm all this. And this has taken years and years to kind of undo what religion and undo what the enemy tells you. But God showed me who I was in that moment. And I was like, wow. I turned on the TV. Check this out. Because I'm asking God in his prayer time, did you really say you believe me? I turn on the TV. Literally, I'm on TBN. I turn it on. Jesse Duplantis is on there. And he goes this, I heard the Lord say something. And I'm good. He goes, the Lord said, Jesse, I believe in you. And he goes, I want you to know that God says he believes in you. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Blown away. It set me free. And here's why. Because, and here I said, Lord, what's the scripture? And then I found it. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Who is love? There's no other thing outside. He is love. And when you can take that word and say, God believes all things. God hopes all things. He believes in you. He gave his son for you. He wants you to live a victorious life. Can you stand on your feet? Can I have the band come? Like I said, this might not be revelation to you, but this is a big revelation to me. Some of you feel, you feel in this room like this is dependent upon you. And this is why, like, I, it's not dependent upon you. Now, is there a place? Yes, there's a place of surrender, which is a denial of self. But you're already placed in Christ. And I love what he says. Let me see if I can find this verse. He was talking about Jesus and how Jesus became the highest name, the most powerful name in Philippians 2. And he's listening off all these things, how he humbled himself. It takes humility to believe that you can't do it. Because some of you, religion is going to do what it did to me. Well, here's my part and here's God's part. Because you're, just, you're fearful of who God is. Well, I just, just in case. You don't understand the love of God for you. Well, just in case, I'm going to make sure I try to obey all the laws in the book because, you know, the thou shalts. That law was given to show that you couldn't do it, that you needed a savior. You know, when Jesus came on the scene, this is what I love about When you look at the Bible in its contextual format, Jesus literally looked at the scriptures. See, God gave the law, and it said this, right, in Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery or you shall be put to death. You know what Jesus did? He said, oh, that's not, I'm paraphrasing, that's not the heart of the law. Nope, nope. Because the Pharisees, they were good at not committing adultery. Right? Well, at least they, in, the, in public, they, were, they looked that way. Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, if you even look lustfully at a man or woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. As a matter of fact, the law was right here, but that's not the heart. He said, the law, what God means is right here. So Jesus came, took the law to another level, said, you need to cut off your feet if you sin. He was showing you that God's law is so much higher than what the written word on stone was. He showed you that you couldn't do it no matter what you tried to do. Some of you looking at some of his words like, oh man, I need to cut off my eyes because I've sure been sinning a lot with those. You, if you cut out your eyes, you'll still have lust in your heart. 
and that's the issue. It's a heart issue. So when Jesus died on the cross, guess what he did? He now took the handwritten requirements that were against us. He, he blotted that out. He put on us his righteousness. His righteousness he put on us. Right? And it's through humility that we appropriate this. And Paul says this, for it is God who works in you. Listen to this. And both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Did you hear that? It is God working in you. You're already beloved in Christ. You may feel like you're not a good Christian, and maybe your actions aren't. But your spirit is already as holy as it's going to be. You need to let God out of your spirit into your mind, will, and emotions. When we pray, why do we bow our heads? And this is just kind of you. We bow our heads. We don't have to look up there and see where he's at. We bow our heads because he is in me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Your good and your mercy endures forever. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this God-centeredness of worship, your good and your mercy endures forever. You're awesome. You're holy. You're worthy. Oh, God, I'm a, I'm a son and a daughter. I receive your inheritance right now. Oh, hell is breaking loose. But guess what? I'm a worshiper. And I'm so happy, full of joy, because I've let you out inside of me that I'm just going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm already victorious. I'm already healed. I'm already set free. This is why I wrote this in a song. Because he is moving with love so deep. Hallelujah for the victory. Good things are coming even when we can't see. We can't see it. But we believe that he is moving with the love so deep. Hallelujah for the victory. Good things are coming even when we can't see. We can't see it. Come on. This, a person who sings that is like, my God is good. Oh, his mercy endures forever. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. Come on, naked I came into the world. I ain't, I'm going out naked, so I'm going to worship with all I got. Right? Woo! Come on, the hope of glory lives inside of you. Get in your word when you get home. How do we understand? Some of it is like a mystery, but give God a moment. This, the spirit, listen, you can't go read your Bible in the flesh and expect a spirit result. I love this. When I was, I don't know what made me for years think that somehow in my flesh I can make God happy by just trying to obey all these, these laws and commandments. I don't know why. Flesh cannot produce good things at all. So when you get in the word, you can take the, the, the pressure off yourself and be like, Holy Spirit, if you don't reveal it, it ain't getting revealed. <laughs> and just get in there and by faith, and by faith, I'm going to understand this. Start in Colossians. Man, I got to read this to you. Sorry, I'm going long. But you know what? It's my house, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ephesians. If you look at one of the verses that I pray over myself often. Oh, thank you. I went right up to it. 
Thank you, Lord. A verse that I pray, and you should pray over yourself often is this. He's talking about who we are in Christ. He's, ta- he's laying the foundation to the Ephesians in Ephesus. This is who you are. Now, why would he pray this? He says, this is why. This is 1 verse 15. Why? Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stopped giving thanks for you, and I remember you in my prayers. So now this is the next step. Now that he heard that they came to Christ, this is the next step. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Check this out. Now he's like, now that you know who Christ is, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what the hope of is in his calling. What the wealth of his glorious inheritance is for you. There's an inheritance. So he's saying, I just need your eyes to be open. And I'm praying in Jesus' name that you will have a revelation. Like, whoa, whoa, I might be feeling sick, but I'm healed. This is mine. Hey, I can give to the kingdom more than ever before because I have an unlimited God. It's not about trying to give a tithe or offering. It's about unlimited giving through the spirit of Christ. Because it's, there's generosity goes way beyond 10%, way beyond 15, 20, 30%. Lord, unlock your generosity in my life so I can give like I've never given before. Because only your spirit can do it in me. Hey. And he says this. And what is the immeasurable, it can't be measured, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Immeasurable, unlimited power towards us who believe. According, now check this out, to the mighty working of his strength. And now he gives you an example. This was the same strength that rose Jesus from the dead. That same spirit is in you now. Now let's flip over here. And he says this, for this reason, I, Paul, chapter 3, of Jesus Christ, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's so happy to say that. Have you ever been happy? To, like, this man is happy to be a prisoner. He mentions it everywhere. Like he, that's like cred for him. Like I'm a prisoner, Jesus Christ. What up? (laughs) He said, I I have briefly written above by reading this. I hope that you're able to understand the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, but it's now revealed to his holy apostles, prophets, and pastor slash preacher. I get to reveal this, right? And he says this. um, He says, I pray that he may grant you. And some of you need to pray this too, 316. He may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith appropriated. He is mine, what he did. That you may be rooted and grounded and firmly established in his love. He loves you so much that when you can finally let go of doing and just being, and you are confident and no fear in you. He's like, well, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Oh, no, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling here. I'm confident in his love. He said, I want you to be rooted, grounded, established in love that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled. Watch this. You may be filled with the fullness of God. You can walk in a fullness. Now, pastor... You, this was a verse that you built this church on for many years. And I love this. It says, now him who is able to do above, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask. How does he do that? According to the power that works inside of us. 
Some of you need to let that power work.